Welcome to 3D View, one conversation, three different perspectives. I'm Lamondre Pugh. I am David Perez. And I'm Richard Strikes. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to another episode of 3D View. Uh, and today we are going to be discussing um, climate change and its effects uh, across many different um, areas. Uh, um, and it's important that you know, as we've gotten into this day and age, we've seen the adverse effects. Uh, just this last week, we saw in the Atlantic Ocean five different um, tropical storms that have um, evolved into, well, some of them evolved into full hurricanes, um, you know, at the same time, which is something that, you know, we have not seen for many, many, many decades. And so it's interesting to see how um, how the patterns have shifted around the planet and what that means at a, at a uh, um, to us as as the population of the planet, um, how that gets affected and how we affect and the things that we do um, could or could not uh, be affecting what's going on. Um, and so we'll get into it and, um, and talk about uh, the many different areas of this. Uh, I, I, um, you know, it's interesting that as, um, as a U.S. citizen, we certainly have many different arguments that tend to lean into the political sphere of being either extreme right or extreme left onto the views of this topic. But, you know, to start out, um, I think it'd be great to hear an outside of the country viewpoint. And for that, um, David, why don't you let us know, you know, what does from um, from Costa Rica and Central America, what's the viewpoint about uh, climate change? Well, the, Costa Rica specifically has taken a lot of action to become carbon neutral, actually, by 2021. We're almost oh. there, and we've been, we've been doing a lot of great things. Of course, not nearly enough to actually be carbon neutral. We're almost there because we have big protected areas of forests, not because we have actually changed our practices that much. But I think that in Latin America, the, the sentiment is the same. We know that we can do things and that those things can have an effect, but we also understand that it's not, on, not in our hands. Like if China and the United States and Russia do not get in line with climate change, well, this is a global problem and it's not really going to change anything if a country the size of Costa Rica actually does something, right? Well, you know, that's an interesting standpoint. And, and do you feel that I mean, as a, as a country, is that sort of the attitude you're going to do what you can, not, you know, uh, no. realizing that the scale uh, isn't? Or is there sort of a larger no. conglomerate through the central and, 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 um, and Latin Costa America? Rica, Costa Rica has always tried to lead by example in, mm -hmm. in everything that we do. We abolished our army in 1948. Right. And since then, we've been trying to promote peace and international relations as a way to solve problems instead of of armies and that's the same thing with climate change and everything around human rights we we're trying to do the best we can to show the world that it can be done basically and we've, we've been doing a good job as i said but it, it's also known by every single one of us that it's not going to be enough to just to save the world right even if we are running on clean energy because every everything that we have connected here comes from clean sources of energy. But that's not nearly enough. Costa Rica is smaller than many states in the US. Yeah. But like you said, by example, 
um, you know, that is a great model and is something that should be looked at by other countries as a model to move towards. So, um, you know, that, that definitely is a, you know, shows leadership by uh, staying the course and doing what's right and, and allowing others to, to see that. Lomandri, what do you think? Yeah, I think what David said is so important is that even though if, if only Costa Rica did that, it wouldn't, wouldn't make a dent. But the example that Costa Rica presents to the rest of the world certainly does without Russia, without China, and certainly without the U.S., there won't be a dent put into the issues that we have. And it's amazing that it would be such a tiny country that would help lead the way. Um, And it's appalling to me, as you said, that there are so many political issues surrounding climate change. Um, Because for those who... For those who deny climate change, for those who say that it's not real, that it's not happening, I don't know if they have someplace else to go when <laughs> when things go wrong here. Do they have another planet that's out there that they're just going to get on a ship and fly to and just forget about the rest of the earth that's here? So it's amazing to me that it will become a political battle. And not about how do you stop global warming or how do you stop climate change, but the battle is, does it even exist at all? That is the issue that really scares me. That's the issue that really troubles me because it's obvious. There are five storms last week in the Atlantic. We have moved through the naming system to now we're in the Greek alphabet. Yeah, and, and it's only September. And yeah. it's only September. And so, and, and he, here's the thing, we're at beta. We're at beta. Yeah, we're, we're, we're already at beta. That's right. <laughs> so th- this, this, how can you deny that climate change is real? When the West Coast of the United States and parts of Australia and other parts of the world are literally on fire. Yeah. Yeah. How do we yeah. deny this? Right. And well, so, and, and the... And the polar caps, you know, melting and so forth. The polar caps are melting. So what this says to me is that as a species, we really have our priorities askewed. We really have our views messed up. Because the argument is not necessarily about does it exist or it shouldn't be about does it exist. The argument should be about how do we change this? David, jump in. <laughs> yeah. I think that it is all about how we see things as a society. And I, I really think that companies or the, the ones that have the, those multinational companies that are the ones that are creating the most pollution, they are thinking of immediate growth, of immediate mm-hmm. benefit, economic benefit. And they're not thinking in the future like, What's going to happen 15, 20 years from now when everything I'm doing now messes up my potential customers, right? (laughs) My potential consumers. Because if change doesn't happen right now, we know that the effects are going to be felt later. What we're experiencing now is not a direct response of what we did last year, right? Right, It's 
been decades of inaction. And if we keep not acting, things are just going to get worse in the future. And that short-sighted mindset that companies have is what is basically defining the conversation and making it become something political. Because, of course, it's all about the money. If you're talking about politics, you're talking about money. Well, right. right. And, and, and the quarterly return system, right? I mean, and which is what, uh, uh, what corporations for decades have bought into the idea that uh, with investors and so forth, shareholders, you have to show quarterly return quarter after quarter. And uh, I mean, ultimately, that's not a true sustainable system, especially when it comes to things that deal with natural resources. Um, it just, it just, it just isn't. And what we've seen is the decay that uh, the uh, utilization of these, of some of these resources, have had and its impact to our environment. Whether that's chemical pollution um, on our in our rivers and streams and groundwaters, whether it's. Uh, um, you know, the greenhouse gases that have produced that have, uh, you know, torn our, our atmosphere um, and that has increased the heat and so forth. I mean, these are these are all things that over time, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, we have um, we've accumulated to get us to this point. What's shocking is that the absolute denial and it doesn't matter how you believe it's happening to deny that it's happening at all is 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 something that uh, is is really unbelievable because, you know, when you look at the, it's not rocket science. I mean, all you have to do is look at a, a time lapse across the past 10 years of the polar ice caps or Greenland, for example, and, and yeah. see how it's diminished in size. That's not by accident. Um, you know, it's, uh, th there's reasons for this. The, the, uh, the scientific readings of temperatures that have increased, <laughs> these aren't deniable facts. These are the those are, they just are. Um, and, uh, and, and so it's a responsibility that we have as, as global citizens, forget about countries, forget about political, uh, um, political parties, um, governance. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, as stewards of the planet for future generations, um, it's, we, we've got to collectively put our heads together to come up with a situation that at least puts the brakes onto where we're heading. Right. And I think you, you said something, important here you said it's not rocket science it's not rocket science but it is yeah. science but it is we science, need to believe right? <laughs> we need to believe what we're seeing in terms of science yes. we need to rely on the matrix and measurements that are actually saying hey no this is really different than what it was before and we cannot <laughs> rely on the goodwill of corporations and honestly even governments to do the right thing in terms of protecting the planet. And it should not be about politics. It shouldn't be about countries. It should be about our survival uh, and the survival of the other species that inhabit this planet. Mm -hmm. Bottom line, bottom line, but we are, we are so, so far. We are so far from that right now at this very moment, you know, and the conversation is not new. It's not right. something that we started talking about this year. It's It's been around for a while and people have been trying to raise awareness for a long while. And the, the fact that it's still such a problem to make people understand that their actions can make a difference. Because 
actions define reality. And if, if, if we, if, even if my carbon footprint is not going to make a dent, again, it's the example. Right. And, well, and it's the collective, right? Exactly. It's the collective. It's the aggregate Every of single one of us did something, things would change. Yeah. Yeah. But well, when know, it becomes it, a question of if it is real or not, that's, that's, it's mind boggling. It's hard to, to discuss and it's really hard to digest as a human being. Well, the fact that the fact that people are actually making that argument and are legitimately arguing that fact, I, I believe, and, and it's something we already talked about, I believe because there is an immediate benefit for them to make that argument, even though they know that argument is not real. And their goal is to get enough, enough of the population to believe their argument, even though they know it's a lie, but because they're trusted, mm -hmm. because they have some influence with the populace or with that population, they'll spew these things knowing that it's wrong, knowing that knowing that their argument is a bogus argument from the beginning, but they'll still put that out there because of the gains that they'll get um, from it. And that's yeah. that. Again, it's like, where are you guys going to go? Where are your kids going to go? <laughs> where are your grandchildren going to live once you, once you really wreck shop here? But yeah. that that opens the, the the other part of the conversation, right? Because the people that are doing this, that are taking those actions, are usually the ones that are benefiting economically mm. from absolutely from this. And we know that climate change affects disproportionately the underserved populations, the ones that really don't have anywhere else to go. Absolutely, because if California is burning, I bet that most of the millionaires are already gone to their summer houses or whatever they call it other homes yeah yeah, yeah. well think about where it. are the people that live on the street are gonna are gonna go right right look at what happened in hurricane katrina um mm. you know when hurricane katrina uh hit new orleans in the united states the levee broke and when the levees broke the people that were disproportionately affected were poor black people uh people who could not evacuate as quickly people who could not escape people wonder well, why didn't they just leave they had nowhere to go and they didn't have a way to leave they couldn't yeah. and these are the people's whose body you saw floating down the street these are the people who eventually became almost refugees within their own country because they had to be yeah. disbanded throughout the nation and, and the truth is, disproportionately, these were poor um, minorities. When we look at what's happening with, even, 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 with the, um, even with the pandemic that's happening now, when you look at what has happened with that, the people who are disproportionately affected are poor minorities, typically. And when you look around the world at some of the things that have happened, when you look around uh, 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 like nursing homes being abandoned, these were people who could not leave. These were people who relied on these individuals for their care and they were abandoned. And it's the same thing that happens with environmental justice. And that's the term that's, that, that, that's used for it. It's environmental justice. Hmm. You know, um, you look at the neighborhoods where the nuclear 
plants are close to. You look at the neighborhoods where the hog farms, the industrial hog farms are. All of these things have significant environmental impacts, and typically those areas are in poor communities. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting to to think about how, you know, you, and you mentioned uh, Katrina and the groups that were affected by that. These flood uh, uh, plains or basins or areas that are by high risk um Develop, uh, construction, uh, whether they're 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 br- bridges or or power plants, n- nuclear power plants, or what have you, the the areas that are immediately around them always tend to be developed, primarily targeted toward entry level or or lower income housing. Um, you know, you you never you never see large mansions built by levees or by nuclear power plants or so forth. Uh, you know, you usually see this. Um, uh, you know. I grew up in Southern California, and there was uh, the uh, um, the San Fernando Valley area. Sepulveda has a basin, a large, um, and it was designed as a flood basin for it specifically engineered by the Army Corps of Engineers as the hundred year of flood basin, um, and it was in a lower area, depression area in the San Fernando Valley um, that was specifically designed to take the um, the, the runoff and floodwaters during a large, large. Um, flooding event. And what ultimately happened is 30 years into that, no rain, you know, rain was very little. Suddenly developers started buying up this land cheap and started putting in housing and housing and housing. And, and, you know, now it's a, it's a huge metropolis. There's Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of families that live in there, but it was, you know, entry level housing, you know, single ranch, single story ranch style, um, you know, cookie cutter homes, um, you know, all honeycombed, all small lots houses all right next to each other right um and uh and you know and that's where they live and, and of course there's been some significant flooding over the years that have happened and get, guess which area oddly enough and everyone acts surprised it's like oh all this flooding it's like well you built in a flood basin you live in a flood basin <laughs> and we see that you know that, that that was just an example that i know because I, I grew up in that area but i mean those those examples exist all across the country, um, you know, and, and La Mondria, like the, you know, what happened with Katrina right there by the uh, housing developments that are right by the levee, you know, these is, is just repeated over and over and over again. And, and we set this up as a society um, and again, driven by, um, by the uh, uh, financial increase and financial gain of, of whatever company organization, political leader, you know, fill in the blank for whoever you want. But this is just more of that. And, and, you know, and, and going on sort of our next topic about this is the legacy that we're passing on to the future, to our future generations. And are we being good stewards? Um, are we being fair to to our youths uh, of what we're ultimately handing off to them? And what can we do to, to be better about that? And, and you know, and, you know, I, and there's no question, as we've seen, the youths who are, you know, very literate, very, very politically aware. Um, um, and a lot of that has to do because of social media and their interaction with, with other, um, peer groups around the world, not only just in their own uh, regions, we see this sort of larger movement about their involvement and being actively vocal about that. And, and, um, so I find that very interesting. And also, um, I, I think that's the, that's that's what should happen um, in the natural progression of things. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I think you're right. Um, I, I think it's it's sad, but it's also inspiring that the youth are standing mm-hmm. up. It's sad because they shouldn't have to. Yeah. We should have been better stewards of the planet and thought about what are we passing down? What are we, what are we handing off? And what's funny about it is it, I don't think it, it, it ever was really thought about like that uh, no. in, terms of, in, in terms of generations taking responsibility. Because here's the thing. I'm 47 years old, and I remember hearing about climate change and how, how the polar caps were melting when I was a child. When I was a child. <laughs> so damn near 50 years ago, we were talking about this and this was being said to me but no one was doing anything about it but the predictions that they were giving was it was going to be a hundred years after i was gone that if we didn't change something something would happen but no it's happening now it's happening now we're seeing this and so but the, the the inspiring part is when you hear advocates like greta thunberg did i pronounce her last name right when um i think so when you, when you hear her and you 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 see the passion, mm-hmm. you see the urgency, you see the anger mm-hmm. that she presents with, it really puts it really puts us in check. But then of course, you also have when you have adults in the room, like um, like the president of the United States saying that she needs to get some friends and go out to a movie because she's too uptight. Nah, she's uptight. Because we are literally not only leaving a world that will be inhabitable for that generation, we're doing it now with a smile. We're doing it now, kicking up our heels and running all the way to the bank. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's encouraging to see. It's encouraging to see youth, um, youth stand up and make a difference. And one nice thing about that is that I, that I really do think that the newer generations, the younger generations, are are more in line with that thought. Mm. Not everyone's a Greta, right? Not everyone is going to leave their lives to to fight for climate change. But I, I do think that they can create change in in their own way in the organizations that they are going to work in, and the fact that organizations are already shifting to younger yeah. leaders is also going to be have a great effect in climate change i think and that's that's positive that's also something to look forward to right, right. the fact that younger people are being put in places where they can actually make a difference because of course it it didn't happen and it was not going to happen because it's a mindset thing it's a mindset change and as lamander said they were told it was going to happen in about a hundred years, younger generations were told it's going to happen now if you don't do something. And that that information, you're not going to change just just because you know the facts. Yeah. That's not how human beings work. <laughs> right. No, it's so, so true. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, I, uh, I in the when I was a when I was a young lad uh, in the mid seventies, uh, early seventies, they were talking about this. Um, um, so it's, this is not new information by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, I, I definitely remember being in school and, and getting, getting, um, 
handouts and you know talking about recycling and all that and and how that's important and how we need to save the ozone and save the environment i mean these are not new these are literally arguments and things that i've heard all my entire life and and it's shocking that my generation basically and and the generation ahead of me really chose to ignore it we've heard it and chose to ignore it and and um or do very little do frightfully little um because it was going to be somebody else's problem i'll profit now let somebody else worry about picking up the pieces and and that's really in a nutshell um and and that can be carved out partisan wise however you want but at at the bottom line that's ultimately what we have done um and and uh and that is what is shocking i think one of the good things that we have left as as our legacy is how not to do how this can all go wrong and and what uh, as as a shiny example as a huge big shining steamy example of how not to do this um and i think that is something that is going to stick just like the great generation had the depression that never ever left them i think the the the, uh, the younger generations are going to look at this time and not forget it um, and only look forward as to what needs to be done and so that is you know it may be a backward way of looking at it but I think that's a, at least a way of looking at what we are doing and how that can be spun into something positive for generations to come yeah yeah it's a positive way to look at it and it's the only way to look at it right now because th- there's no way to go back in time and fix the things that were done we made the choices it's, yeah. Yeah, we made the choices, so we have to live with them. So now what, what can we learn from, from what happened? Yeah. How can we change it? How can we make it better? Right. Yeah. And actually, that was going to be the next thing um, that I was going to ask is, how do we make it better? How do we, how do we turn that corner? How do we make that transition from, um, from hey, we're just going to keep riding until, we, until the wheels come off? Yeah. Which, well, the wheels are coming off. It, oh, I, I think a very simple solution, um, which is painful to some, is letting go. I think the older generation needs to let go. People who have been on boards or have been executives of corporations for 30 plus years, they need to let go and let the young, um, brighter minds that are much more progressive in thinking about um being uh, um, conscious of these things, their level of thinking is beyond just sort of the quarter profit, which is the, the staunch, um, um, Im, you know, um, embedded uh, thought process that exists at many of these older, um, um, you know, lifelong exec corporate executives. Uh, by letting go of the position and handing the baton off to the bright and there are so bright. I mean, the youth, uh, the younger generations are so more brighter and more exposed and well-informed than any other previous young generation. They're, they're, um, I think many of them are armed to be able to, with the tools that will allow them to be better stewards than we were. Um, and so, you know, the hardest thing is to let go. Let the younger generation now take the mantle and move forward in some of these issues. And that goes, you know, politics, governmental positions, all, all across the board. We've got to start allowing the transitions. It's shocking when you look at our government officials and, and well, in this country and then at executive board, you see the average age is 70 plus 80 years old. You yeah. know, uh, it's yeah. time to, to let go um, because we can't hold on to these old, to the baggage of, of, of the old uh, thought processes forever. Um, you know, a, a, as a result, they're hindering the process of, 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 of evolution and progress. 
Mm-hmm. That's my two cents anyway. And I wonder when did no. that happen? I wonder when did people really wanted to just hold on forever to those kinds of things? Because I was just, as you were speaking, Richard, I started thinking about the major movements that have happened um, throughout time. And most of them were led by young people. And mm. even when you look at some of the great companies that were built and some of the great organizations that were built, a lot of folks were, you know, retiring at 60. They were letting go. They were mm-hmm. passing it on, moving it all on. But you, you, it's it, it's a different time now. I know some people will argue, well, people are living longer now. So, you know, that, that means that their, 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 their longevity is there. So they want to be active. Cool. But at some point, in order to be a good leader, it is about preparing the way for the mm. leaders that come behind you. And it's about teaching them the ropes, but then also allowing them to expand and push it further than you could. That's a mark of good leadership. You, you know, I think when that started happening is when we stopped having or or bringing up apprentices and understudies and, and, and you know, you started seeing somewhere in the late 70s, early 80s, a shift in corporations where there wasn't that, there was that whole line of individuals and company lines that just, that stopped existing. Um, and, and maybe greed was some of that. Well, I'm not going to bring somebody to replace me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm drunk on the power that I have as executive leader, blah, 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 VP, whatever. And I, I can still do this. I'm still healthy. I'm living longer. I'll just keep pushing the age limits of my position to accommodate me. Um, and I'm not going to let go um, because I'm, a, I'm afraid of, of somebody replacing me and then me becoming irrelevant. So I think, you know, greed had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's greed. And it's, it, I always turn to the economic side of things. Our economic model completely shifted into yeah. being leveraged. So if you don't have a job, you don't have money to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. People don't have money for retirement. Most people across the board. So they need to work. And if you need to work, you need to not be replaced, as Richard was saying. Yeah. So it's greed and it's fear. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, fear. Mm. Yeah, fear is definitely a big part of that. Interestingly enough, most of the woes that we experience are based in some type of fear. <laughs> um, whether it's uh, uh, because I don't understand, I, I fear that you may take something from me, as in the being replaced or... Uh, or fear of lack of significance. Like, you know, most of the time when you meet someone, once once they tell you their name, the next thing that they'll tell you about themselves is what they do for a living. Uh, so mm-hmm. our, our, our identities mm-hmm. and who and what we are are tied up into that. And it's so interesting how those things have that ripple effect of creating environments that's not sustainable for anyone. That, you know, because yeah. I'm afraid... Uh, or, or because I want to hold on to this vocation, because I want to hold on to this status, because I want to hold on to whatever, I am willing to sacrifice your future for my uh, for my for my game right now. And it's so ironic. It's so ironic because even as we started talking about this whole COVID nineteen thing, I remember 
um, just a few short months ago when they were talking about reopening the country, the U.S., that is, and talking about jumpstarting the economy, very prominent senator said, there are more important things than living. And he was talking about right now. And so you believe that there's more important things than your life. I mean, they would literally say, well, I'll die for my grandchildren to have a chance uh, in terms of the economic side of it. Well, if there's no freaking planet, there won't be an economy. <laughs> right. Right. You know, yeah. and uh, but so it, 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 it's so ironic and, and I believe hypocritical uh, to, to, to have it that is. stance. But I think you're right. I think you're right. That's a really interesting, uh, a really interesting perspective. You know, one of the things that I just, I, I just sort of sitting here as we're talking, um, is the unsustainability aspect, right? So as you don't allow the youth to come in with the newer, fresher ideas and so forth, you create an unsus- unsustainable business model. Well, this is exactly the same as in nature, right? It, 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 the laws of nature don't change just because you're dealing in a business world or what have you, right? Without without the replenishing of the newer, fresher growth and so forth, you don't have progress. You don't have evolution. You don't have development. You don't right. have healthy development. Um, and and so I think you know, the, 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 it, I don't think it's by accident that we have the both uh, both. Um, failing at the same time or, you know, diminishing in their level of effectiveness. And, and, uh, you know, we see the unsustainability, the ultimate unsustainability of, of that, uh, both our, our climate and us as stewards, as well as our corporate business models that uh, right. are not as sustainable as they could have been. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they, they've been scrambling for a while trying mm-hmm. to find solutions and, and governments have been scrambling, trying to mm-hmm. find solutions. And, People have been scrambling trying to find solutions. It, it, it's everyone's on the same boat, and well, it's not the same boat. Everyone's on the same sea, but on different boats. On very different. Some more leaky, some more stable. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and when and when what's happened as a result of kind of where we are when we do have moments of youth coming in, it's incredibly disruptive. Right, the the one or two individuals stand out as being you know heretical in their craziness of thought and all that, and 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 that's not necessarily the case. All that does is demonstrate how far the divide is between the thought processes of of the of the generations or whatever whatever it is, um, and and because we have let we've let too much time go by of not allowing this continuous flow of 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 new ideas come in that has polarized uh the the thinking mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i want to um i don't want to leave the impression that that we're bashing corporations because we're not we're simply pointing that hey this is the these are the major polluters it's usually about industry um mm-hmm. but there are corporations and organizations that are doing a bang up job in really trying to change things. Oh, absolutely. There are organizations that are really promoting young people and really showing that, uh, are really trying to be an example as to what it looks like to be an organization that is progressive and that is about saving the planet and the environment and really making and really making a difference. And and I encourage you to support 
those organizations. I encourage you to look at the 17 sustainability goals from the UN and look at how they're written and how they're crafted and what's being done in various countries around the globe to make this difference because there are a lot of people working to make this. The only thing is we got to work harder and we have to work more unified in order to bring this to fruition because the truth is, as David said, Costa Rica is a small country. You know, they can't do it alone. They need to do it, but they can't do it alone. The U.S. needs to do it. China needs to do it. Paris needs to do it. I mean, so all of the areas that we can think of, it needs to be done in your county, in your state, in your town, in your home. It's the aggregate of all of us coming together to make that difference. And here's the thing. We always want to leave on a positive note. We can change this. We can, we can, we can, we can patch this dam. (laughs) We can, we can, we can, we can fix this breach. We certainly can, but it's going to take swift and decisive action for us to do so. We have to make the decision. That is time to make a change. Politics, political affiliation, all of those things pushed aside. We have got to save ourselves. Yep, that's that's the bottom line. Uh, you know, we're all in it together. <laughs> so, you, you, there's no saving half the world. Uh, it uh, right. it just doesn't work. <laughs> it's sort of an all or nothing. And and you know, I I I firmly believe that we as a global consciousness ri- will rise to the occasion. We've done it before um, in different periods of of our human existence on this planet, and we're we're resilient and we're. Um, uh, we, we have ingenuity, uh, you know, we, we can be clever as a, uh, as a consciousness of, of, a, as a species. And so I think we will rise to that and support, you know, like, like Amundra said, absolutely support the leaders and champions that are across multiple industries, governments that are across m- many different countries that are doing the right thing. You know, it's those models that are worth like Costa Rica, those models are worth looking and investigating how, how are they able to achieve a zero uh, footprint, uh, you know, in 2021. Um, and that, um, that's been a process that's been going on for 10 years, 10, 15 years, yeah. something, something like that, if I remember. Um, so it can be done and the models are out there. We just need to open our eyes, look hear, listen and act. Yeah. Take action. Yeah. I believe in us. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's the time we have for today. We thank you again, always for your comments and, uh, and your participation and your time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on 3D View. Make sure to visit our website, ruglobal.com slash 3D View. That's ruhglobal.com slash 3D or you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts or join our YouTube channel so you will never miss a show. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we appreciate it if you would leave a like or comment or simply tell a friend about the show. That would really help us a lot too. If you would like to join our conversations, you can join our Facebook community, 3D View, 3 Perspectives, 1 Conversation.